I hope these first two weeks of Advent that we've just finished, I hope, I hope that they've been good for you, blessed in terms of being a good time of preparation for, for Christmas. Uh, it's easy to, to get ready just for the external things at, at home, and there are elements of that that are meant to help draw our hearts into the mystery. That's why we're, we're blessing the little figures of the baby Jesus that will go into your creche at home at our masses this weekend, because things like that can remind us at a deeper level of what's happening. But on this third Sunday of Advent, the, the church gives us just a real clear invitation and reminder that, that there's meant to be a, just a real profound joy in all of this, that even today, on this third Sunday of Advent, that, that we're invited to anticipate and, and get ready for. What, what, is that, what is that joy? It's not just external things, although that, that can be an initial trigger or, or, or reminder of it, but it's something much deeper. And we have, we have it in the first reading today. There are three beautiful things that that the Lord tells us, this is what your Savior is coming to announce and to make real in the prophet Isaiah. And there are three really beautiful things that give us a chance just to remember and to experience in the big picture why the coming of the Lord as our Savior is meant to be just such a, a deep cause of joy for us. So this is a really familiar passage the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because these are all of the things He sent me to do. You know this passage because Jesus made these words His own when He began His public ministry. Remember, after He was baptized, He went back to Nazareth and in the synagogue was handed the scroll. This was the very first passage that He announced in his public ministry, beginning the work of our salvation. And so, three really beautiful things here that I, I wanna open up for you. Jesus says, taking his words on himself, he says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring glad tidings to the poor to heal the brokenhearted, and to proclaim liberty to captives. I just wanna look at each of those really briefly with you because they are, they, they are meant to be just a cause of, of great joy for us. So the first one, Jesus says that the Father has sent me to bring glad tidings to the poor. This is not just the physically poor. It, it includes that, but what, what you wanna think about here is the Beatitudes, when Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. It's a poverty at the deepest level. It's me standing before God with the, the deepest poverty in, in terms of, Lord, I am so dependent on you. I so need you. I am so weak. I am so broken. I am in such need of your healing that the basic fundamental stance of my heart before the Lord is I stand before him in poverty because I am a creature standing before the, the creator. 
So what, what's the good news in, in this? Jesus has, sent to bring glad, has been sent to bring glad tidings to the poor. The good news at its core is this. When God looks upon each of us in our utter, utter poverty, our total need for, for him, just how much we have to rely on, on his strength and all of that, when he looks on us in that way and knows us that deeply, it is his great love for us that leads him to want to come to us and to not despise our poverty. Here's what I mean. At the human level, it, you, you all have someone, at least one person in your life, that is particularly needy. And when someone is super needy in our life, it tends to bother us because the way that we tend to love each other is we love those people who are strong, who can do it on their own, and who don't keep bothering us with their need. I mean, just honestly, that, that's our, it's often our reaction is someone who's particularly needy in our life tends to drive us crazy. Like, why are they always coming to me? Why can't they do this on their own? Why can't they just get out there and do it? And at the human level, we don't tend to deal well with super needy people. And we look to distance ourselves, whether it's a family member, a neighbor, a coworker. And then often, that human way that we relate to really needy people, we assume that God is gonna relate to us that same way. And so very often, people have an image of God where we, we figure, you know what? He probably doesn't want me to keep coming before him asking him for help with this and with that, and he probably isn't pleased that I'm just so broken and needy that I need him to take care of me. We can often presume that, but the beautiful truth, what Jesus has come to reveal, the glad tidings to the poor is this. The Lord does not despise that deep, kind of like really existential poverty in you. He doesn't. In fact, he knows you so well and knows your weaknesses and your flaws and your brokenness so well that he's pleased to come close to you in that. The way that we tend to love one another is we love those people who have their act together. We love people that are, are the whole package. Like We love those people who already have achieved that, that level. We don't tend to love people well who aren't there yet but the Lord does. That's real, true, authentic love, it's divine love. This is the good news, is that Jesus has come to bring those glad tidings to us who are poor. The Father loves you in your total, absolute need for him. And sometimes people say, well, what, like, I'm afraid that God will know that I'm not perfect, as if he doesn't already know that. I'm afraid that he won't love me if I'm not perfect. Well, he knows you're not perfect, and that's exactly why he loves you, because he knows that you can't do it without him. So this is part of the joy that the church is saying on this third Sunday of Advent. As you're preparing your heart for the coming of your Savior, know that he is utterly aware of your poverty and your need. And be joyful that that need and that poverty on your part do not cause him to push you away, but rather just the opposite.
The second thing is, he's, Jesus says he's been sent to heal the brokenhearted. And so in our poverty and in our need, very often just in, in life and in all of the struggles that we have, we, we are all in our own particular way brokenhearted. We're in need of healing. And it's stuff that we've experienced when we were younger, perhaps, ways that our parents didn't love us all that well. It's experiences we've had in other relationships that have left us vulnerable, maybe afraid to open our hearts, or we, our hearts withdraw because of things we've been through, hurts we've experienced, or things that are really traumatic. Like, it's, it's a broken world that we live in, and a broken world leads to broken hearts. And the Lord says, I've come to bring healing to your hearts. All of us in different ways experience that struggle of, we, we want to love well. We wanna love our spouse well, we wanna love our kids well, the people that the Lord has put into our life. And very often a tension that we experience is, Lord, I, I, I really, I wanna love my family really well, but why do I keep failing? Like, why do I keep falling short in these different areas? And why right after I, I, I decide in my heart I wanna love them well, why do I keep going back to the same ways of not loving them well? The Lord knows our hearts, and Jesus says, I've come to heal broken hearts. And he really does this. He really does bring healing. Most profoundly in the gift of his body and blood, and in the sacrament of reconciliation, but he really is able to heal and change hearts. And part of our joy of Christmas is, Lord, I, I'm ready for you to come and do that for me. I, I want you, I need you to come and bring that healing. The third area, he says, that he's, he's been sent to proclaim liberty to captives and release to prisoners. This is in the area where in our total brokenness and poverty, so often we find our way into sin because we think that's where we're gonna find what we need. And when we enter into, a, into sin, eventually, sometimes very quickly, sometimes just over the long haul, we become slaves to that sin. How many of you have wrestled with something, a sin, where you think about going to confession and you know the whole point of confession is mercy, but also I'm gonna live differently. But how many of you have had a particular struggle with sin in your life where you say, you know what? I, I don't even know that I can picture my life without that sin. I don't even know what my life would look like if I were to be free from that thing. That's a really great indication that, that, that we are right there a prisoner to, a slave to that sin. And Jesus says, I have come to proclaim liberty and freedom to you. I have come to deliver you from that. And he's able to do it, he really is. And this is the third part of the joy that the church wants us to capture and hold on to at this point in Advent is there's real freedom in the Lord. There really is. He wants you and me to live differently, not by our own strength, we can't, but by his strength, by the gift of the salvation that he came to bring. It really is possible to live in freedom 
from some of those things that perhaps you never thought that you could be free from. But he can do this. So all three of these areas are the cause of our joy. This is what we're looking forward to. It's not just the joy alone of Christmas Day. It's, Lord, you've come to save me in these three great ways. Now, just to end this here, one really important thing in all of this is we've got to leave room for the Lord to do these things according to his own plan and not our own. Very often, when we hear this joyful news announced, we might think, okay, this is exactly the way that it's gonna work out and, and play out in my life. But you know, God's plan, like he says elsewhere in Isaiah, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts, they are not your thoughts. So we've gotta leave room for the Lord to do this stuff for us as he envisions it, not, not us. Here's why I mention it. In the gospel today, we hear John the Baptist declare with utter clarity, I am not the Messiah. I've come to prepare his way, but I am not the Messiah. John knows he's not the Messiah, but, but John himself, it seems, has to, to, to give room for Jesus to do things his, his way. Remember, about three years later after this scene in the gospel today, John in prison will send disciples to Jesus with the question, are you he who is to come or should we wait for another? Why does John send disciples with that question? Maybe it's because Jesus is doing things a little differently than John expected. And remember what Jesus said back to John through his disciples, tell John what you've seen and heard. And then Jesus goes back to these very words. The good news have the, the, the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. The brokenhearted are healed. Captives are set free. And then the final words that Jesus says to John is this. Blessed is he who takes no offense in me or at me. Why? It, Jesus is basically saying, tell John, do not be offended that I'm doing things differently than you expected. Yes, you prepared the way for me. You, you did that. But do not be upset that the way I'm gonna bring this about is different than you expected. And certainly, ultimately, even though John will have been beheaded by then, Jesus has in mind this radically different way of saving us, which always makes use of the cross. And so I just wanna share that with you. These different things that are our deep cause of joy, Jesus has come to do these, but please, as we draw close to Christmas and enter into all of that joy, do not be offended if the Lord's way of accomplishing this in your life is different than you expected. Let him be your God and Savior, which includes not only doing these things, but doing them according to his plan and, and not ours, not yours.